This is a special Walker Cup episode. The Back of the Range Golf Podcast will introduce you to the finest amateur golfers in the United States. Some have competed in major championships, others have won USGA titles, and many have been named All-Americans. The one thing they all have in common? They all want to be one of 10 men chosen to represent their country at the 47th Walker Cup matches at Royal Liverpool Golf Club. This is The Road to Hoylake, presented by AmateurGolf.com. And now your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome back to The Road to Hoylake, presented by AmateurGolf.com. I'm your host, Ben Adelberg. Today is Wednesday, August 14th. And depending on when you're listening to this episode, the top 64 have already been identified and they have started their matches at the USAM. Or perhaps there are some guys in one of those awful 16 for four playoffs. Regardless, the US Amateur is about to go to match play where absolutely anything can happen and usually does. It's only gonna get crazier from here on, so follow along on amateurgolf.com for in-depth information. Use that coupon code BOTR to get 90 days free access and you'll be a USAM insider. In this episode, we're gonna focus on the two top junior amateurs in the world, Akshay Batia and Ricky Castillo. If you follow amateur golf and, and well, golf for that matter, you've heard the name Akshay Batia. He's the number one ranked junior amateur in the world. And while you won't see him on a college campus next year, there's a good chance you'll see a lot of him on TV. Akshay is going to forego his college experience and turn pro right away after the Walker Cup. He received one of the three automatic picks to the U.S. squad on July 24th, along with Stu Hagestad and Cole Hammer. We chatted about his experience playing Junior Ryder Cup in Paris, traveling to Europe this summer to get some Lynx golf experience in, and yes, we even spoke about his coach, the phenomenon known as George Gankus. Also featured in this episode is Ricky Castillo of Yorba Linda, California. He is committed to be a Florida Gator and will start there this fall. Get used to hearing his name and also get used to the fact that he's only 18 years old. He had an incredible run to the semis at the Western Am. He was medalist at the North and South earlier this summer. The North and South has played at Pinehurst, by the way, and well, he almost did it again at the US Am. He went 72-66. He's going to be right near the top of the match tree. Great kid, smart kid. And if you want to talk about someone making a serious run at the Walker Cup team, it's really hard to find anyone playing better than Ricky right now. Before we get to the episode, remember, subscribe in Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Get the latest episodes in this series. Or if you need to get caught up and you need to binge listen to them, go ahead and do that. Also, follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's all at thebackoftherange.com or in the show notes of this episode. As always, let's welcome back Julie Williams, Managing Editor of AmateurGolf.com, to get a little more insight and thoughts on Akshay and Ricky. Julie, welcome back. How are you? Thanks for having me back. Well, Julie, I know that you're getting all packed up and ready to head over to Pinehurst to cover the to cover the next few days of the U.S. Amateur. Right now, the the final 64, the match tree is still being finalized as we speak. Uh, there's going to be a big playoff this morning, one of those nightmarish 16 for four playoffs that I spoke about in the intro. So instead of talking about the things that you're maybe surprised at or things that you're really interested in, we're going to go ahead and wait and do that on a later episode. But right now, I wanted to get your thoughts on the two guests on this episode, two juniors, Akshay Batia and Ricky Castillo. What can you tell us about Akshay? Akshay is, yes, he's a junior. You know, yes, he's 17 years old. But he has such a wealth of golf experiences because this is kind of his thing. He has been very open to the fact that he's not going to go to college. You know, that's not his thing. He, he wants to play golf. It's crazy to listen to him um, lay out a day, just a day in the life of Akshay, what he does in terms of practice and time he spends on the track man. And he has, you know, a coach on East, you know, East coast and West coast. He's working with George Gankus on the West coast, but Alan Terrell out of Myrtle beach is also working with them. They're sort of tag te- teaming him. So this guy is all golf all the time, but 
Um, I think, you know, just you look at kind of the experiences he had. One thing he's doing that I think is really interesting is he has been trying to Monday qualify for a lot of PGA Tour and Corn Ferry Tour events. And that is grueling. I mean, you just have to go. I mean, the way he put it to me um, when I caught up with him at a junior tournament earlier this year is you basically have 18 holes to hit 63 shots. You you ha- can make no mistakes. You just have to fire birdie after birdie after birdie. So, I mean, he knows how to play that kind of golf. He's got match play experience. Um, he's got European golf experience. He played the British Am, or, you know, he tried to get into match play. He didn't make it um, through stroke play there, but he played the European amateur the next day or the next week, finished in the top 10. So I think also, you know, we know he's going to go professional after the Walker Cup. That's out there. That's set. That's announced. So frankly, I think he probably has a pretty good state of mind going into this week. Yeah. And, you know, the thing that, too, that's kind of interesting is, you know, everyone has their opinion on him on what he should do. And, oh, my gosh, you're, you're, you got to go to college. And, and you, you know, how can you think that you're ready to take on the PGA Tour and win at the age of 18? Uh, I really enjoy the conversation because I don't think he has that goal set of like, all right, here's where I have to be next year. Um, this is just what he wants to do. Any hesitation you think, I mean, I know he got the automatic spot to be on the Walker Cup team, but again, going over to to Royal Liverpool, going to Hoylake, it's Lynx Golf. I know he has a little bit of experience with that, but do you see any reason why he would not be really a strong part of this team going over there? I can't really... You know, I can only see the the guys are going to be older than him. You know, that's just the way it is. He's going to be playing with a lot of college players, you know, but even like a Cole Hammer is only a couple years older than him. So, I, you know, I think he'll mesh well with the team. I think that's a huge part of it, just the team atmosphere and, and fitting in and feeling like you're comfortable and you can go out and play uh, with any player, any other player on the team. And, you know, the thing that tells me that that's going to work out is just watching him interact with his fellow junior golfers I mean he is the you know he's always up for a putting contest or a long drive contest or you know just palling around with them so I feel like it's going to be very similar in the team room so you know I think that part of it is going to go smoothly I think I mean you just can't argue that the guy is not equipped or not experienced enough to play on that team so you know I think he's going to have a great time I think he's going to be a great fit Another junior that I uh, I spoke with that is in this episode that I was super impressed with, uh, Ricky Castillo out of Yorba Linda, California. He's going to be at the University of Florida next year. Man, I was really, I was just, I was really impressed with him when speaking with him. You know, I am, I am excited to hear you say that. And, and my ears are perked up, you know, on Ricky and I'm looking forward to following him as a college golfer, just because, I mean, look, he has, he has a lot of single digit finishes on his, you know, world ranking this year. I mean, he was in the final four at the Western AM. He made the final eight at the North and South where, Oh, by the way, he was stroke play medalist at Pinehurst. That bodes pretty well. Oh yeah. Third, third at Sage Valley. That's the junior tournament. Um, there's a junior Ryder cup start in there, which, you know, it's, it's a junior tournament, but that's how these guys learn how to play in these formats and learn how to play in uh, like team golf atmosphere. So he's another guy who, he's young, you know, and, and so the question is always there, you know, there's a 17 year old on the team already, you know, is there going to be another incoming college freshman picked who knows? So, you know, that's the only maybe question mark. I don't don't know what your thoughts are on that, but yeah, he's an interesting guy. If they're looking at just his age, then maybe it's an issue. But if you take the time to speak with him and at least in my opinion, if you take time to speak with him and learn more about him, carries himself and just tremendously and yeah i i, I was super impressed with uh, with what he's doing and then he just he's very very close with his coach uh, jc deacon at uf uh they have a great relationship in the interview when i spoke with him they've known each other since he was 11 since he recruited ricky's older brother at unlv so the relationship is is there it's not like he just got a bunch of letters and picked uf because he likes the facility there's a long relationship there so uh you know, very impressed. Very impressed. Yeah. I think you have to look at more than just age, right? More than age and tournament finishes. So the the personality and the, you know, the experience goes a long way. Well, I know that you're getting excited for match play, which, uh, which starts today. Um, so I, I know you're going to be out there checking on these matches and, and 
you know, keeping abreast of the situation. So we'll catch up later in the week. As always, thanks for joining us here on the Road to Hoylake series and uh, look forward to speaking to you as uh, as the match play portion kind of uh, crystallizes and we see who's going to be uh, competing for the for the Havamar Trophy. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, Julie. Look forward to speaking with you later this week while you're at Pinehurst covering the U.S. Amateur for AmateurGolf.com. Let's get to our conversation now with Akshay and Ricky. Akshay, welcome to the back of the range. How are you? Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So um, let's walk back to a few days ago. It's July 24th. This is the day that the United States Golf Association has decided to announce the first three, uh, the top three guys on the world amateur rankings, top three Americans that will get an automatic spot on the Walker Cup team. I know you follow the ranking points. You're no stranger to that. So I'm sure you knew where you stood. I'm sure the call wasn't a surprise, but can you walk me through and the listeners through that day a little bit? Yeah, so actually, I was coming back from California, uh, took a red eye, and just was super tired. So we were in the Uber car, and I got a call from the USGA saying that um, with the rankings that I was at, that I'd automatically get picked for the U- for the USA uh, team Walker Cup, and that was just a dream come true. You know, even though I, I was pretty positive I was going to get the spot, you yeah. just never know with how the Walker Cup um, selections are. Yeah, and it's just, it's almost like one of those things, like you said, with the 104-week rankings with the with the Wagger, it just, you know, some things drop off, some things add. In fact, you know, Stu Hagestad got the call too, and I don't think he was expecting it. I, I think he was at four, and then that last week put him into three. So you're right, it's something probably that it's not real until it's real. Yeah, for sure. So uh, you mentioned travel, taking a red eye. I'm just curious of all the places you've been, if we're if we're going to look in your passport of all the countries you've traveled, can you rattle off a few names for me that you've been in the world? You're only 17 years old. I'm curious, where in the world has Akshay been lately? Yeah, um, I've been to Paris, uh, Argentina, Austria, Scotland, Ireland, and London. So it's been it's been pretty cool being a world traveler the last year. <laughs> For sure. Nice. When you're traveling, what absolutely, what are some things that just absolutely have to be with you at all times? I mean, uh, separate of your clubs and separate of, you know, obviously, you know, luggage and clothes and all that stuff. But what are some of the things, because a lot of people listening, shit, they go on, they go on golf trips. They're traveling all over the world. What are things that you have to have with you at all times? Definitely have to have my AirPods, my headphones, um, foam roller, Obviously, my phone is a necessity for sure. <laughs> of course. But uh, I think headphones are the biggest thing for me because I get, I mean, it's easy to get bored on a plane. So podcasts, music, movies, TV shows, it's just, it, it gets through the through the days for sure. Absolutely. Well, I, I want to get into a little bit about your start in the game. I, I know, you know, being from North Carolina, um, you know, you're a California guy, but I know you're, I know you're on the East coast, you know, you're only 17, but, but talk to me a little bit about when you first started the game. How did you get into it? Was it family? Was it friends? Do you, do you remember how you first start started playing golf? Yeah. So my dad, um, he played recreational golf and, uh, my sister who's older than me who played in college, she, you know, she grew up following after dad and we started playing junior golf very, very young. There was a small junior tour that uh, some family friends ran when we were living in California. And I just used to watch her. And, you know, ever since then, that's kind of when I started. And my dad kind of made me wait a little longer than she did, which is, I guess, a blessing in disguise because some people can burn out very early in golf. Sure. But so I started around six or seven. And I just remember always going. And to the range before I'd go to the range, I'd, you know, I'd watch Tiger or Phil Mickelson or Teeth Goosen, Ernie Ells, all these guys. And I'd go that day and try and swing like them, whoever was leading or whoever was playing well. I just, I'd watch them and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to swing like Phil today and raise my left heel and get my back swing super long or blah, blah, blah. Sure. So that's, uh, that's how I got in. And then ever since I moved to North Carolina, it's kind of just been, amazing the way i've had the facilities next to me and to play and have fun every day um let's let me ask you just a couple questions about junior president's cup and junior rider cup i think it's great that 
you know, for people that don't know, you're 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 passing on, on the college route. You're turning pro after the Walker Cup, um, but you know, you played Junior Presidents Cup and Junior Ryder Cup. How much did that shape your decision to remain an amateur long enough to to you know kind of challenge for a spot on the Walker Cup team? I mean, those experiences were something like no other. Uh, going to Paris, especially, was amazing. Seeing somewhere I've never been before. This is the first country I've actually gone to okay. uh, outside of the United States. But I, I just, I never expected myself to make the Walker Cup. It never crossed my mind to really be a part of the team. I mean, last year, if you would ask me you're going to be on the Walker Cup team, I would have just laughed and wouldn't even believed it. But I mean, now that I'm going to be part of part of this Walker Cup with a very strong team and going overseas again is going to be yeah i could see it's it's clearly got a, a it has a big effect when you mentioned it it wasn't didn't cross your mind well when when did it start kind of crossing your mind and thinking to yourself okay i know where i sit in the rankings you know when did it start yeah. becoming a reality because i know you know you went over and played the european amateur you went over and and uh I believe played in the in the british amateur as well so was that part of your strategy to get yourself ready for Lynx golf? Kind of walk me through when did it start becoming a reality where, okay, let's get prepped for this. Yeah, I think definitely, you know, when I made the Walker cup practice session, just being a part of that team with, um, you know, the best amateurs in the world and to be part of that was awesome and a lifetime experience. Just the courses we were able to play. And I was actually hurt at the time. So, I uh, didn't do much golfing that week other than just chipping around and potting. And and then I've gotten, I've been able to, you know, talk to Captain Crosby during that week and kind of keep in touch with him a little bit. Sure. You know, once I won the Jones Cup, that was just kind of the, the statement I wanted to have. And, you know, I, I think that just was the point where I was like, I'm, I have a very good shot at making this team. Uh, also, I mean, playing in the web.com and the Valspar helps my, my wagger just playing against those capacity of players, but definitely going over to, to Europe this, this summer was huge just because I want to learn about Lynx golf and just see how much different it is because I definitely could have stayed home and, you know, played some of the local stuff, but I just definitely wanted to experience the challenges of Lynx golf and, um, you know, kind of get used to the time zones and sure the weather. So when, when you went over and then coming back, if, you know, forget about giving yourself a, you know, report card, so to speak of how you performed, but what were maybe a couple of things that, you know, on the flight back, you're thinking to yourself, okay, I maybe wasn't expecting that, or here's a part of my game that maybe I need to pay a little bit more attention to. That's going to help me you know, when I come back over here in September? Yeah, I think, um, I think playing in crosswinds was something I've experienced, but just not that brutal. Right. I mean, you got to learn how to hit draws in the fade winds and uh, vice versa. Fighting the ball is not anything new to me, obviously, but just hitting just hitting against the wind is something I never really challenged in America. And over there, a lot of pars is really good. And right, okay. here it's, you know, you can make eight birdies if you're playing very well, but over there, it's like, you should even par every day. That's you're going to win a golf tournament. So I definitely learned that coming back home. Okay. So the, the other thing I want, you know, you mentioned you were injured at the practice session you know, I think we've seen in the last several years, uh, you know, the, the landscape of physical fitness in the game of golf is back in the day, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of golfers working out. It was basically Tiger and VJ that kind of started everything along with obviously Gary Player. And then, you know, we've seen, you know, players like like Rory and Tiger maybe, um, you know, get some injuries in the gym or, or change the, the their physiology of how their body looks. You know, you're very slight build, um, still growing, obviously, still going to put on weight. I'm just curious, what is your strategy with fitness and 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 how do you go about staying in shape and preventing injuries moving forward? Definitely traveling is putting wear and tear on the body. Yeah. So just making sure I'm getting worked on as much as I can when my trainer's home and when I'm home because he works on the PGA Tour. So 
he's traveling quite a bit, but I mean, just a lot of stretching mobility stuff, um, you know, making sure that if something doesn't feel right, I get it taken care right away because that's, uh, it's going to happen a lot traveling so much week weekend and week out. And, you know, eventually when I gain some weight, it's going to be easier on myself just because my, my joints will be a little stronger. And, but overall, I mean, I just, I try and work out as much as I can on my off, off weeks. And, um, like I said, see my chiropractor, my PT and, you know, get a massage every once in a while. You know, I, I think any amateur, any professional, even the weekend golfer, uh, confidence is just so important in the game. It's something that really comes through with any, you know, any interview I've ever seen you done. It just seems like you're very poised and you have that confidence. And, you know, whether it's an elite amateur trying to close it out a win or, a, you know, a 20 handicapper trying to get the ball over the water for the first time, you know, you've had this rise in the game. You're making new strides all the time, whether it's, you know, trying to Monday into a, a PGA tour event or playing, you know, playing in a PGA tour event. How do you remain confident when you're consistently getting yourself into new surroundings? Uh, it's all self-belief. Okay. You know, my coach, George Yankis and I always talk about being okay with, with any outcome. And, you know, that's what I'm still learning. I'm still very hard on myself, but just I got to be okay with whatever comes at me. And if I play well, great. If not, then I, I move on and I learn from it. And, you know, hopefully I don't have that same mistake happen again. So it's just, I mean, I have I know I have the capability of winning. It's, it's shown the last few years. And, you know, I, I can win at any level for sure. I get my mind straight and, you know, I keep everything in front of me because I'm so young that everything's going to come at me really fast. And as long as I can just stay in, stay in the moment and, you know, enjoy what is going to come, I'll, I feel like I can have a successful career. Yeah. You mentioned one of your coaches, George Gankus, for anyone that is, has not uh, been on Instagram and doesn't follow golf. I mean, his, his, he has really exploded over the last several years. I, I I watch his videos. I watch how his interaction with top level amateurs and professionals. You know, he he kind of has. You know, he's got the flip flops. He's got the flat build hat, and you know, California cool all the way around. But at the end of the day, he he has to have the the knowledge to to be your coach. I, I'm wondering, you know, what was maybe one of the first interactions you had with him? How you got hooked up to where you know at the end of the day, like I said, looking past the outward appearance and everything else that goes with it. What about his coaching really uh, drew you in? I first got started my, actually my bigger, my older cousin, he's like a big brother to me. He was seeing him. I, I probably three or four years ago and, and I was in California trying to do, uh, I think the farmers Monday and one other one. And I wasn't hitting it very good. I've never really had any coaches. So it's like, I was taking my coach. And at the time it was just, you just text George and it was easy to get, get in, didn't have to go through his assistant. Um, so that was kind of the first interaction I had with him. And ever since then, I've, you know, my swing's gotten better. I've, I've been able to use the ground very well. And I've always been the person that has had a very good short game as far as chipping and putting. Sure. Um, so just having him and having his knowledge about, power uh just being really efficient having good ball patterns and having good ball striking it was just it was just all new to me i mean i was 13 years old but i think the biggest thing for him is that one he has huge self-belief in in all of his players especially me and uh wolfie and i've i've been i'm not technical but i like working on new things i like trying to get better even even when i'm playing really well I always want to work on something because I'm, I'm going to be honest I, I do get bored sometimes when you know when golf just seems so easy I, I tell George dude I want to I want to get better I want to work on something I'm yeah. bored and I guess being in his presence honestly is just amazing because he came from from being a, a caddy at a local golf course to to being one of the best coaches in the world and he's always had self-belief and you just kind of you get that you get the same feeling being in his presence i 
I, I've honest, honestly been nervous sometimes just being around him because he's such a big shot. And, <laughs> you know, I give him a hard time about that stuff. But Good. he's uh, he's really just an amazing person. And I just can't wait for the journey that we have in front of us. So he, he teaches out of Westlake. I, I love I love the fact that one of the best coaches in the world is is giving lessons at a public track where everyone's kind of hitting off mats. I know you guys use the grass too, but a lot of the videos are off of mats. Let's just pretend, Akshay, for a minute, I'm not going to understand everything that comes out of George Gangus's mouth. I'm 42. You're 17. This is your chance to make me feel even older. What are some of the phrases and descriptive words that he uses during a lesson that if I'm just standing there walking past and I'm going to be like, I have no idea what these guys are talking about. So make, <laughs> so make me feel old. I'm giving you full permission, throw it out there to where I'm just going to not understand what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he'll tell me or Padre Carrington or whoever, if, if we need to get, you know, more front bend, he tells us to eat the golf ball. Tell us. Okay. He says, "Get the long duck." I don't. Uh, I, honestly, I don't know what that means, but <laughs> he says he just says some of the funniest stuff, and all the kids in Westlake just—it's just so funny because they all love George. And, you know, obviously Scooby's a big thing, and Scooby. Uh, all right, what is Scooby? Uh, all right, what's what's Scooby? Scooby yeah. I don't know. It's just all this made-up stuff. We all talk. <laughs> some of the weirdest <laughs> stuff but it is we all just we all just talk to each other like that and okay uh it's definitely grown in junior golf everyone's like what up g and sure. uh, what up doobie and all that stuff but it's uh he's definitely a very marketable person as far as oh, yeah. getting some slogans out there this is this makes me feel better, dude. Because now that now that one of his prize pupils doesn't necessarily understand everything that comes out of his mouth, I don't feel so bad by not understanding it. So that's perfect. So yeah. Um. So let me ask you this: you you you've played on the PGA Tour, you've played the Valspar. I know that's where you want to be. I know you've been around. Uh. You know, PGA Tour players. Um. But still, you're you're 17. So when when do you? kind of find yourself looking at these guys as sources of information rather than just maybe, you know, unreachable figures. I mean, I definitely think all of them are, are big resources for me. Yeah. They've all been around the block. They've all, um, you know, a lot of the top guys, if you're able to talk to them, you pick their brains because they've done some amazing things and they've dealt with the pressure and just the self pressure you can, you can put on yourself. But I mean, I've done I've done some things that these guys haven't experienced in junior golf and amateur golf, and um, so you know it kind of goes both ways. But definitely, just the way they think around the golf course, the way that um, you know the different shots they can they have around the greens or coming in the coming into the wind or downwind or anything like that. I try and learn as much as I can, so I'm prepared for you know, what's at stake, um, starting on the PJ tour in a few months. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to get you out of here. I know you got to get uh, prepared for your next event. I know that Walker cup is coming up. Um, you know, obviously I just wanted to touch on the fact, you know, you're, you've, as it's well known, you're, you're foregoing college turning pro after the Walker cup. I'm sure that you know that you get a lot of attention for that, uh, whether on, on, you know, everyone has an opinion, you know, whether they, uh, you know, think that you should go to college or whatever. And of course everyone can have their own opinion. Are, is this, is this anything that really affects you either positively or negatively? Does the noise ever really become an issue? Does it drive you to perform or do you just flat out ignore it? I'm just curious, you know, that people are talking and everyone has a thought. Where do you kind of find yourself moving forward? Is it something that you really pay attention to? I feel like a lot of people now realize that you took, you take a look at, I mean, Matt Wolf, especially because he's obviously grown up with a lot of like a target on his back with his golf swing. And uh, I mean, look at what he's he's doing and what he's done already. So I feel like people kind of understand like these, you know, these kids coming out of college or or me, um, we can obviously play golf. And in a way, I look the way Brooks Brooks Kepka talks and I you know, I want to prove people wrong. 
So if people don't agree with what I'm doing and obviously it's unnormal, no one's really done it like, like I have. Sure. But a lot of people just don't understand the way I do it or how I'm doing it, the way I'm going about it. So until, you know, until I, I'm able to get the starts and show what I, I'm capable of doing, then, you know, the sky's the limit for sure. So, yeah. Do, do you actually, I, I want to ask you, do you, do you actually have any sort of set specific goals for the next maybe two to three years? I mean, you could play professionally on, on, on tours, whether it's the PGA or, or Corn Ferry or, or even state opens. I mean, you could do that for two, three years and still be, you know, under 20, 21 years old. I'm just curious, do you have anything specific as far as what your goals look like for the next two to three years that you would consider a success or not necessarily. I mean, a lot of the new stuff is just going to be all learning experiences for me. And, you know, that's why we wanted to do this so young because once I learn everything that's going to be happening in the next two years or whatever, one, one to two years. And by the time I'm 19, 20, I'm going to be ready for, you know, for everything that's going to come at me when all these guys are just starting, I'm going to be, I'm going to be there by now. Yeah. I mean, Monday qualifiers, especially I've been doing it for four years and (laughs) I don't know how many people have, you know, seen that or whatever, but Monday qualifiers are tough. And you know, if I get to the point where I, I'm in that situation where I have to try and Monday qualify to get some status, I've been through the ropes already. I, I think that's that's huge. Anything with your with your Monday qualifier experience that, I mean, what, what maybe is one of the biggest thing you learn about that specific, I guess, type of golf? Because, you, know, sh- you know, shooting a solid score of 70 isn't going to do it for you. So, um, you know, what have you learned about yourself and about the art of, of Monday qualifiers over the last several years? Uh, there's definitely a lot of pressure going, walking to the range. You know, everyone's, you just have to play a perfect round of golf, but yeah. it teaches you how to, how to go low. You get to a point where, you know, there's obviously some pins where you don't go at and wedges where you're like, okay, let's, let's go for this. Let's go for this. And it's just, you kind of just freewheel it. You, you get in the moment where, you try and make another birdie and another birdie and another birdie. And once you see a bunch of birdies go up, then at the end of the day, if you are capable of, you know, shooting seven under, then uh, you just, you can do it on the PGA Tour for sure. And well, Akshay, listen, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know that you are just ramping up for the USAM at Pinehurst right in your, uh, right in your backyard. And then you're off to Hoy Lake. So congrats. Um, you know, personally, really, really glad to see you on that Walker Cup team. I know you got great things uh, uh, ahead for you uh, moving forward. Wish you all the best and uh, best of luck on uh, best of luck at Hoylake. Hi, Scooby. See ya. Thank you, Scooby. Congrats on the Walker Cup pick. All the best to you at Hoylake and beyond as you start your professional career later this year. Our next guest, incoming freshman at the University of Florida, Ricky Castillo. Ricky, thanks for joining me. How are you? Well, thank you for having me. Uh, you know, we're here on this road to Hoylake and we're kind of touching base with all of the players that are, are kind of trying to polish up their resumes right before the decisions are made of who gets a spot on that U.S. Walker Cup team. Uh, as I said, you're at the USAM at Pinehurst. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about what your summer's been like leading up to that? It's been a great summer. I mean, uh, first I started off playing the North and South End, which actually was at Pinehurst this year. It's at Pinehurst every year, so uh, I always love playing in that event because, you know, Pinehurst is such a great place, and I thought it was, I was fortunate enough to be able to play it and you know it was on the number two and four course just like the usm so it was set up and they're i think they were trying to like practice uh setting up the course for the usm so it should be playing very similar to what we played it so i think that's a really big help and i played pretty well there i won stroke play and then i lost in the quarterfinals to uh cooper dossie who eventually ended up winning the tournament he's a really great player yeah yeah so and then that's how i started my summer and then a couple of weeks later, I went to uh, Inverness Club for the U.S. Junior. Played pretty well there in uh, stroke play. I didn't play my best in match play. I lost in the round 32. It's one of my good friends, Kenta Yomawaki, who was, I think, in that in that match, I think he was six under through eight against yeah. me. <laughs> that's, so called, he, that's a buzzsaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He went he was went off, and I was like, you know, there's nothing I can do. You know, it just happens, and. But, you know, and then I just came back. I just a week ago, I I was at the Western Amateur and played 
probably the best I've played all summer uh, out there. I was hitting the ball really well. I mean, I played pretty well in stroke play. I didn't play amazing, but I played well enough to get in the match play. I think I came T-fifth in stroke play and then won my first two matches uh, and then lost in the semifinal to uh, Daniel Wetterich, who's a really good player from uh, Ohio State. And, you know, he he didn't end up winning the finals, but, you know, it to even to make it as far as the semifinals, I thought was a really good achievement, especially since the 156 guys that start off. Oh yeah, and then to make and then to make in the top 16 is really good. And then to make it all the semifinals is, I mean, I always thought those match play events, you're always going to think, well, only one guy is going to come home happy. Sure. So it's it's difficult. So, I mean, it's difficult to be completely pleased, but you always you always have to give yourself a pat on the back. I mean. For the way I played, I thought I played really, really solid. So it, it's been a fun summer so far. That's great. Well, you know, let's just hit on the Western really quick while while we're talking about it. You know, it's it's the next to the last tournament that everyone is kind of focusing on before they, um, you know, get to the USAM and, and those decisions are made to make the Walker Cup team. You know, you're relatively young. You're you're a junior. You're not you know don't have you know college golf experience yet. I know you're heading over mm-hmm. to Florida. When you go into that tournament, are you thinking about Walker Cup at that point, or are you just kind of thinking, hey, let's just let's just play this Western for what it is? I'm just curious what your mindset is in a Walker Cup year. To me, I wasn't really wasn't thinking about the Walker Cup. I mean, obviously, it'd be great to be on the Walker Cup team, but you know, it's it's not up to my decision. I'm just gonna. Honestly, I just went out there, just had no expectations, just thinking, hey, I'm just going to play golf, and, you know, whatever happens, happens. I mean, there's still one more tournament at the USM, so anything can happen. So I just thought, you know, just play just play your best, and, you know, it, don't worry about don't worry about the Walker Cup or anything like that, because I know when people think about the Walker Cup or they think about something like that, you know, it gets in their head, and they're, like, they're, they're like, so focused on playing for something instead of just playing for themselves, you know what I mean? So I, yeah. I feel like, I feel like you just kind of have to, it obviously has to be in the back of your mind, but at the same time, you have to forget about it just because you know what's going to happen if you play well, but at the same time, you can't be only thinking about that. You got to be thinking about the next shot because there's so many things that could happen in between before they pick for Walker Cup. So, I mean, in, this week it's the US Amateur, anything can happen. So, uh, I, I'm not going to think about it at all. I mean, it'd be great to be part of your team, but if not, you know, I get a chance to qualify with my team and play, uh, my first college tournament at Florida. So I get a chance to qualify and, uh, play with my team. So. Yeah. You got, you got stuff to keep you busy. So you're, you'll, you'll, exactly, you'll yeah. be fine. Um, yeah. I, so with, with junior golf, you know, you're making your transition out of junior golf. You're going to play collegiately at the university of Florida. Um, you go ahead and you've seen a lot of different parental dynamics, so to speak, at junior tournaments. You've probably seen the 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 kind of the uh, parents that are off to the side that kind of let the kid, you know, do do what they want to do. I'm sure you've seen the the parents that are a little bit, you know, very very involved. I'm just curious, like, what has been your uh, specific road to success in junior golf with you know family backing, uh, maybe practice schedules? You know, how have you been able to set yourself up for success and and ultimately leading to uh to playing for the gators uh in the fall my dad's been a part of my golf career the whole time i mean he's been a great role model and everything and ever since when i was young he would encourage us to go to the golf course and stuff and he's you you know he used to do is he uh would used to give us like uh chores to do if we were just laying around or something but if we were playing golf if we were playing golf we wouldn't get chores. So we realized oh. <laughs> when that was what that was like when my brother, that's when I was like five or six and my brother was like eight or nine. So we realized, Hey, if we play golf, we don't have to do chores. And then, it, then we kept playing golf and, you know, then we fell in love with it and just kept playing. And then, you know, when we became older and older, he didn't force us to do anything. He kind of just let us do it on our own. And, you know, if we wanted help, we'd be asked, but he wouldn't be like, breathing over our neck or anything. Cause I mean, there are parents like that and I'm not going to say anything bad about them. They, they have their own uh, ways to do things. And there's a lot of people who are successful like that, but the way my dad wanted to prepare me for college is to slowly let go. That way, you know, I would be able to do things for myself. That way I wouldn't, he wouldn't have to like be like calling me every single day or after, during before every single practice session or qualifying or anything like that. That way he didn't have to like talk to me like, 
before anything or be like i i can't do anything you know what i mean like he yeah. wanted to he wanted to be like where you know when i'm younger i obviously need help and but like when i once i got older and i got more mature and stuff like that you know he would help if i asked for help but he wasn't gonna be like or he'd give a suggestion every once in a while but he wasn't gonna be like you need to do this 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 or anything like that so i i really thought the way my dad did it was the best not not just in general just the best for me yeah. so I, I i thought it was great because i mean it helped me mature a lot better and made me learn how to do things for myself so that that's the way that i thought it was most successful for me well obviously it, it has been successful you've played in numerous usams uh us juniors um you know just to to recap a little bit of your success and what you've been up to i mean two-time ajga all-american and uh, you know numerous numerous accomplishments and now you're kind of leading into this college life and or college experience that you're going to go uh, experience at florida you grew up in yorba linda california which is probably just about as far away from gainesville as, as just about anywhere so <laughs> i know seriously yeah so how how does uh how how does florida tremendous history in that program coach jc deacon where when did you first meet coach uh, coach deacon coach deacon i met when i was 11 years old i remember exactly when i mean i was in my brother was recruited by uh unlv and he was the assistant coach at that time when my brother was 14 i remember okay sitting in um in coach Dwayne knight's office and he was there and he was and i was just listening sitting there and he i remember him telling me he's like you're gonna be on my team one day he's like i know and i i'm gonna you're i'm gonna get you on my team wow. and you know i ever and i've just been really close to jc he's really been there for me all this whole time for the last seven years so i mean the biggest thing about college i thought was you have to love your coach and have to like be on the same page with your coach i honestly don't think i could play for anybody besides jc i mean he's the coach i've wanted to play for since i was 11 years old so he was a big big reason about why i wanted to go to florida and then also like i like the I like when I went to my unofficial, I loved the atmosphere of being at an SEC school. Sure. I thought it was really cool. And also I, I wanted to be in Florida because like the type of grass, another thing is the type of, the type of grass, the Bermuda yep. out here, out, out there is a lot different than, uh, in California with Poana and stuff. So, and I used to always struggle on Bermuda. So, and they don't play Poana that much on tour or anything like that. Or even in college events, not that much, especially out in the uh, East Coast. So I always wanted to be out there so that I could get a little bit better on Bermuda and stuff like that. It would I knew it would help me in the future because I mean I I know how to play bench and I know how to play Poana, but I've never really gotten really good at uh, putting on uh, Bermuda like I have with the other two. So I thought that was a, another big part. Yeah, and also I I like the I mean the golf course is right next to the campus, which yeah. I really liked. Which is I wanted a course where you know I could, you know, if I had like an hour break, I could go and hit balls or practice or putt or something like that. You know, all the other schools I looked at, there wasn't really anything that close by, so I, that was another big part. I know people listening right now are thinking, okay, how old is this kid? Because I mentioned he's a junior golfer. You're 18 years old. Um, yes. Who and you, you know your father, Mark, obviously very supportive, as you mentioned in your career. Um, mm -hmm. Any other advisors that you've had? Because I don't think I've really heard of a junior picking a school, not only for all the all the right reasons that you've mentioned, you know, the the coach and the facilities, but you're you're thinking about okay this is going to prepare me for playing on the PGA tour, which I'm sure is one of your goals. And you're picking a place that has a certain grass that is going to help you in the future. So is that all you, or have you had maybe some other advisors that have kind of brought these things to your attention? Like, do you have any, do you have, do you have any advisors right now that are kind of helping you along? Um, honestly, my advisor is my dad. I mean, okay. we've talked about it a lot. Um, we've just thought about what's going to help me for the future. Cause you know, obviously where I am right now in golf is really, really good. But obviously I've always thought as golf is a marathon and you don't want to, you don't want to be your absolute best when I'm 18 years old. I want to be, uh, I want to be really good for when I'm older and stuff like that. Sure. So 
Sure. No, that's that... what I always thought. That's what I always thought because, you know, I, I don't want to be playing my, like, be the peak of my career right now. I want to peak when I'm on tour or something like right. or something like that, you know, because that would be a lot better than peak. I mean, obviously, it'd be great to play my best golf right now and everything, but, you know, I know I can get better at a lot of things. So I, I always just thought, you know, looking, having perspective and looking into the future is a big part of playing golf especially since we it's such a it's a sport you you can play for so much longer than other sports that you have to think ahead like when you play like basketball or something like that you can only play for so long i mean you can only play till you're like 35 40 or golf you can play up till when you're like 65 years old competitively so i always thought you just have to keep in mind what's what is going to happen in the future if you do something like this or something so i always thought just try to prepare yourself for the future absolutely no that makes that makes yeah. perfect sense um yeah. i i know that the walker cup is is something you're kind of letting happen organically if it happens it happens it's going to be Lynx golf obviously over at royal liverpool this would not be your first experience playing in a team format you played the junior Ryder cup last year over in france i know that wasn't a maybe a traditional link style course but um, tell me about that. I mean, if you can share anything about that team experience over there with just about looks like all your buddies that you play in, in play junior golf nationally with, you know, you got Akshay and you got William Mao and you have, uh, you know, Thorbornson and, and all those guys and, and all the girls actually. So can you share maybe something about the junior Ryder cup that maybe some people wouldn't know about? The thing is competing for your country is so, is so much fun. I mean, but I feel like there's almost more pressure than when you're competing for yourself. Cause I mean, you're like, if you lose, you let your country down where, I mean, where in, that's not really the case, but that's how you feel. Cause you're like, I'm competing for the USA. Like, I don't want to let my country down at all. So I thought it was a, and I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, competing out there and it was really close by the end. I mean, I think we only won by one point. So it, it really could have been anybody's, uh, anybody's cup, but it was, it really was a lot of fun and being out there and being a part of that, seeing all the players that used to be on the team, like Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas and stuff like that. And Tony Finau and Rory McIlroy, where you get to see all those guys that used to be on the team and, you know, they're playing in the real Ryder cup now. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really surreal knowing that, you know, if we keep doing, we keep working hard and keep doing what we're doing. I mean, there's no question that we could absolutely be in the Ryder cup in, um, in years to come. So, yeah. Do you, uh, you know, playing all this junior golf and now you're playing the USAM and, you know, the Western, you know, these are obviously open amateur tournaments where, you know, you're getting college players, juniors, mid-ams even. I'm just wondering, you know, people talk a lot about the youth movement on the PGA tour with players like, you know, Wolf and Morikawa and, and Hovland that have made the quick jump to success there do you see a massive difference between playing a U.S. junior versus a Western Am or a U.S. Am? I mean, the caliber of players, you don't sound like a junior golfer is kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, at, uh, at a U.S. junior, between a Western Am and a U.S. Am, there's a complete, it's, it's, I feel like it's a huge difference. Okay, okay, explain. Um, yeah. uh, because, I mean, when you're at a U.S. junior, you could, there, I mean, you're, there are some kids that are 15 years old, 14, 16. I mean, they're, and you know, they never really play. And sometimes they never really played a high level golf course because I mean, Inverness club this year was very, very tough. I mean, 7, the rough was very, yards. yeah, 7,400 yards. The rough was high. I mean, the greens were slopey. I mean, it was a tough course. I mean, I, I could definitely see like, and then you also see how nervous some kids are because you know, they, they see Akshay, they see, Carl, they see Michael, they see all these big names and, you know, they, they get a little scared, even though we're, I mean, all those guys, they're, I mean, they're great players, but it's not like they're anything different than anybody else. I mean, they still just normal 16, 17, 18 year old kids, just like anybody else. So yeah. I bet, but when you go to like a Western Am or something like that, or you go to USM, you see, there's a lot of good players and there's, they're a lot more mature when they play the game. Cause you know, when you're a junior, sometimes I've, I used to do this too. You know, you have like a, a pitching wedge in your hand and you just aim directly at the flag or something like that, where you don't even think you don't even look at the yard book. You just hit it where 
when you're at a Western Am or a USAM, you got to think, hey, I got 130 yards here, but, you know, I can use this slope or I can hit it here and just have a 20-footer because, you know, if I hit it here, it is there's so much more thought process, right. I feel, when you get to amateur golf because, I mean, you're just older and more mature. I mean, there are some guys out there that are, I mean, like Stuart Haggis said, who are, you know, 26, 27 years old who are a lot more mature than a 15-year-old kid, you know, where they think around. It's not even like, it's just they, they just think around the course better just because they're older. I mean, they've got 10 more years of experience under their belt, which which just comes with experience and age. So, I mean, I used to do the same thing. So let me, ha- let's, and I was going to ask you this one. You mentioned not having to do chores if you're on the golf course. I'm curious, how many hours of video games do you play a day? I'm going to be honest with you. I play, pro- I play zero hours of video games. I don't have an Xbox. I don't have a PS4. I've never played Fortnite. I've never done any of those video games or anything like that. I'm, I'm, I'm being, my, my dad never believed, he always thought, you know, you never need video games. So from when I was a kid, I never really played video games that much. So I, I don't find interest in it. I mean, I'll watch it when yeah. my friends are playing or something like that. Cause you'll watch it. But like, I don't know how, like you give me the control. I have no idea what I'm doing. Cause I, I was like, what are all these buttons do? But you know, you, you, you are the, you're the oldest 18 year old. I think I've ever spoken to in my yeah, life. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've <laughs> never played. I'm, I never play video games. Like my dad, all like my, the only thing we have is a Wii and my dad and mom didn't even buy it. My grandma bought it for me. <laughs> and, but like, I, I, don't even use it or anything like that I've, like i don't play video games at all i mean there are a lot of like some of these people like i remember when uh i was at junior arc up in canon and michael and these guys are talking about video games and i'm like what are you guys talking about like right. i have no idea what they're talking about because i'm so confused because i never play right but like it's like they completely understand because you know when they play video games i mean it's not like playing video games like it's not like they play like 10 hours a day oh, but yeah. you know they play it out they play an hour a day just you know just, you know sometimes you get bored or something yeah but, just un- unplug the brain for an hour and just yeah of course. exactly yeah but like I, I i genuinely don't play video games at all i'm not surprised at all listening to you talk I, I, i'm <laughs> like yep i totally see it um you uh let's see were there any uh former gators that you spoke to obviously you knew you were going to go play for coach deacon but i i actually talked to um uh, tj vogel yeah and tj vogel was talking to me and just talking to me about how his experience at florida was just better for him at that time and you know i after i talked to him i knew that florida was the right place for me just especially for golf i mean i thought it was a great place to mature and you know become a better player and also a better person to you know grow up on on my own i don't have any, I'm obviously I have Coach Deke in there and stuff like that, but it's not like I have someone, you know, telling me what I need to do or anything like that. So I thought it was a good place for me. You, uh, well, listen, you are, are heading into the USAM, and obviously, I, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but I went back and looked at it, and uh, obviously, I, I can't pinpoint who has made the biggest jump in the world amateur golf rankings, but at the beginning of 2019, you were number 76 in the world. And as of this week, you're ranked number 10. I think that is probably the biggest jump this year by any <laughs> amateur. Uh, congrats on all your success. Good luck at the USAM. And uh, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll, see you, uh, we'll see you in the future. All right. Thank you so much. And there you have it. Special thanks to Akshay Batia, Ricky Castillo, and Julie Williams from AmateurGolf.com for joining me on this episode. Don't forget, follow along on social media, AmateurGolf.com, TheBackOfTheRange.com. We'll see you next time on the Road to Hoylake here at the Back of the Range.